the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. we pray as we get into the message today that God would just lead us, that he'd speak to us, that he'd do something fresh in us and revive our hearts this morning. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that no matter where we're at on this Father's Day, like Pastor Marty was saying, it could be a hard day for some of us. Lord, I thank you though that your love covers over right now. And so God, would you speak to us? God, would you encourage us? God, would you open up our hearts afresh and anew to your word God, we thank you for who you are. Would you do something new in us? In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen, amen, amen. When I think of Father's Day, I think of a couple of different things. I think of, first of all, me being a dad I was sharing with you. I want to show a picture, actually, of my family. My wife is here. Um, This is Maya, who's one and a half, and we have a baby boy coming. August 16th is the due date. We're so excited for that. Um, So I think of being a young father and learning to be a a dad, which is an (laughs) ever-increasing endeavor these days, which is amazing. Um, And thank God, again, we have so many great dads here in the congregation that I look up to. Um, I also think of my heavenly father. Anybody else thinking of your heavenly father today? About how we have a heavenly father that loves us, that we are the beloved children of God, and we can rest secure knowing that we have a father that loves us no matter what. Amen? That's good news. That's good news, Mark. We can clap for that. That's cool. We have a God that loves us. And that's going to be my central message today. But then also, this can be a bittersweet day because some of us here can have those dad wounds and those dad hurts. Before I came here to the sanctuary, I worked with 150 churches in our, den- in our denomination. And one of the largest problems that I faced when I was at camps ministering to kids was fatherlessness and kids that had wounds and brokenness with their dad. And I don't know about you, but I struggled with that too um, because there's a picture here of my dad. My dad is my hero. This is me in high school when I lived in Mojave. That's my dad, Rob. Um, Actually, Pastor Jan and Yolanda appointed my dad to the Mojave Foursquare Church. Uh, back, gosh, was that like 2000 or something like that? Way, 21 years ago, way back in the day. Um, and anyways, but you know, my dad was my hero, my mentor and everything. But unfortunately, my dad um, got cancer and passed away on um, September 21st, 2013. And so this day for me in particular is pretty hard. It's a hard day. And that's why I asked Pastor Marty, I said, hey, can I come? I want to talk about the importance of fathers. I want to talk about the importance of dads and God's love to us. We're in this heaven series. And uh, as we talk about heaven, there's actually three things in the Bible that will remain. And three things are so, so important. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. This is my central text for us this morning. So if you want to open up your Bible, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 13 a lot today. So you can just kind of open up and be there. It says this, and these three remain. They're going to last. They're going to heaven. You can take these three things to the bank. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? is love, is love. And so we're going to talk about love today, and we're going to talk about the importance of love. But can I tell you this? What I found in my life and what I saw exemplified through my father is that you know what true love is? True love is when you have a faith first and you have hope that leads you to love. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like glasses. I need one side, right, that's uh, faith and one side that's hope to begin to see love clearly, 
Who knows that right now in our world, love is distorted, love is broken, love is said all these different ways, and, 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 and so we need to have a clear perspective of what love is. And I believe that we need to look at faith and hope in context of love, because these three things remain. These are going to be the things that we can take to heaven, right? We're not taking our cars, we're not taking our houses, we're not taking our good looks to heaven. We can take faith hope, and we can take love to the bank. And so I want to focus on these eternal things on this Father's Day. I want to look at also the context before we go into it. Um, The Apostle Paul wrote this book in Corinthians. Um, He was there for about a year and a half. Um, This is about 15 years after Jesus uh, died on the cross and rose again and ascended into heaven. So this is 15 years after Christ died. Uh, The church in Corinth struggled with politics, sexual sin, and division. Does that sound like anywhere else we know? Politics, sexual sin, and division. Southern California, right? We can say, wow, politics, sexual sin, uh, division. Mm, Yep, check, check, check. That's here. I actually think we could do a series on this called First and Second Californians instead of First and Second Corinthians, right? Because this is so relevant to right now. Because this world is full of not not love, but hate, right? This world is full of not not, uh, faith and hope, but a lot of cynicism today. And so I want to speak to that. I want to speak to what's going on. And actually, I want to show this picture because I visited Corinth uh, on my honeymoon with my beautiful wife. Um, This is us in Corinth. Um, We are walking the streets in Corinth. This is where Paul actually was stepping and started the church in Corinth. Um, And actually, it reminds me of where I grew up in my hometown of Mojave. This reminds me of the Silver Queen Mountain that is in Mojave. I don't know if you ever drove on the 14, but even the terrain, it reminded me of the high desert, even of Santa Clarita. But the context, again, of Corinthians is people are struggling with love. And can I tell you right now, I feel like we're in a world that's struggling to love. We're in a world that's struggling to love. And can I tell you that our Father commands us to love, to love him, to love each other. But also, I saw in my dad, and I'm going to share some stories about him today, that he was a man of love that inspired people to love. And so I want to go into the context of this, uh, of this uh, whole passage. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bibles, um, go to verses 8 through 13. I just want to read some of the context of this to where we get to verse 13. It says this, Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, right? This is screaming heaven. When heaven comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known as I am fully known. And we're talking about heaven. In heaven, we shall fully know. Isn't that amazing? That's good news. In heaven, we are going to know and we're going to be fully known. I want to talk about two things real quickly before we go into faith, hope, and love and breaking them down. These two things are two things that are limited in this life and they're only partial at best. And it's actually, and if you go to your app right now, it's prophecy and knowledge. Prophecy and and knowledge. So if you want to go to your app right now, you can go put those blanks in there. That These two things are, are limited right? And partial at best. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. In this life, this is going to be limited. Who knows that we don't know it all? 
And in fact, the more we know, the more we don't know. Anybody else here in this room, right? The people that I respect that are true intellectuals, they're very humble because they go, man, there's actually so many things that I don't know. When I was in seminary, somebody described it like this. It's like, hey, when we go into a seminary, we know this much. And the surface area around it, we think we kind of know a lot, but then our knowledge begins to grow and the surface area gets bigger and there's more things that we don't no, right? If you look at this picture in a mirror, this is a mirror in the first century. Wow, look at that great reflection right there. You know, some of you might have been like, hey, the, the scripture said, you know, we see in a, as a, in a reflection. And who knows our modern day mirrors? We can see pretty well. And especially, especially in the hotels, anybody have those, like, those hotel mirrors that you're like, my, my nose looks like that? Anybody else, right? You know, like you can see really, really close. Well, this is a modern mirror. This is what, or sorry, this is an ancient mirror, and this is what they would have looked through. And so this is what Paul is saying. Hey, our prophecy, what we understand about the future, what we understand ab- about knowledge, it's just a little bit, we can only see it as a minor reflection. It's limited. But guess what we can hold on to? Verse 13, and these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. These are three things that we can begin to see clearly. And again, with our glasses, as we look at love through faith in Christ and hope of Christ, we begin to see again clearly what love could look like. And so today I want to go through faith, hope, and love. I want to talk about these and unpack them a little bit. So the first point, and you can put this in your app right now, is this. Faith is being this, fully persuaded to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Fully persuaded. You're actually persuaded to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Look at that. Faith and hope are linked again together, even in this, what Paul is saying. And what we hope for, and the assurance of what we do not see. The opposite of faith is what? It's actually sight. The opposite of faith is actually sight. And here's the thing, in our world today, who knows, what we're seeing going on around us, is it trying anybody else's faith? what we're seeing in our nation, what we're seeing in our world, the things that we see in our eyes. I don't know about you, I've never seen a time like this. Anybody else here in this room? It has been crazy what we've been seeing going on. And it's hard these days when we're looking around the world and we're looking at the news and we're looking at social media and we're even looking in our own communities to have faith. But see, the scripture tells us that we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what? Faith, not by sight. Not by sight. We walk by faith. I remember my dad taught me this. Um, it was the year 2000. I was just sharing how Pastor Jan, here in our congregation, one of our pastors, appointed my dad to the Mojave Foursquare Church. My dad worked at Canon for 20 years, Canon copiers, Canon cameras. He worked for 20 years. He would commute from Lancaster, where we lived at the time, all the way down to Calabasas. So it was four hours a day, a commute, right? Any other commuters here in this room? You are amazing. Thank you for supporting your family, um, for doing that. That's a sacrifice of love. And my dad did that for my, my family so my mom could stay at home and homeschool me. I had learning disabilities and so did my little brother. And so we needed special attention so my mom stayed home. And so my dad decided, hey, I'm done. At 40 years old, I'm going to retire from Canon and I'm going to go into the ministry. For years, he had been doing interim work, uh, been going to churches and pastoring, you know, churches that need pastors, or we had a home church for three years. I got to tell you, I have some fun stories from the home church. That was fun. And, you know, but we had this amazing upbringing. My dad was this awesome pastor. My mom was the worship leader and the kids ministry leader, right? She was the pastor's wife extraordinaire. And what happened was my dad was like, you know, I feel like I just need to go into ministry. And so he told my family, he goes, I have two interviews. 
Oxnard, California. Come on, Jesus. Anybody like the beach, right? I mean, my whole family was like, woo, we're going to the beach. We're going to the beach. We had bought our surfboards, our wetsuits. I mean, we're going, I just really, you know, we're seeing Oxnard. We're going, the Lord is leading us here. Anybody else ever been there, right? You know, man, this must be what God is saying because Oxnard is beautiful, right? And then Pastor Jan, thank you, sir. It's so great that you're here in the service. Pastor Jan calls my dad and says, hey, Pastor Rob, I don't know. I just feel like the, the Spirit might be leading your family to Mojave. <laughs> the problem with Mojave is there's plenty of sand and wind except minus the water, right? So, I mean, it's almost Oxnard. <laughs> here, here's the thing. We didn't know. We saw with our eyes the beach, but God saw our future. God saw the future. He sees in faith. We get so limited by what we see. And I remember my dad said, hey guys, I've been praying about it. And we're going, okay, cool. You've been praying about it. We're going to Oxnard, right? And my dad goes, no, we're going to Mojave. My whole family went into mourning. Literally, we stopped talking to my dad for several days. We, we went to Mojave for a small salary. We moved into a double wide trailer. Our rent was $400 a month, right? Where can you find that in Southern California? In Mojave. Um, so in Mojave, <laughs> glorious Mojave, and we were just broken over going to Mojave. But can I tell you, because my dad made that decision, a year later that Oxnard church closed, and we would have been in Oxnard in a really expensive place without a job. But in Mojave, I got to see my dad every day. I got to do ministry with my dad. I got to start preaching when I was only 14 years old. I got to start leading worship when I was 12 years old, because you could do that in a small church but I got to see community and love, and I got to work with my dad. And I think if my dad was here today, he would say to me, he would say to us, and I think our Heavenly Father would echo it, right? He would say, hey, stop looking around. Stop getting consumed by with what you can see. Have eyes of faith. It's not all about the money. It's not all about the success. It's not all about what's happening here. I'm working even though you can't see it. That is what God would say to us today. See this, faith, when we look with eyes of faith, we're fully persuaded to make Jesus my Lord. That means Jesus is the master, the leader of my life. Even though I want to go to Oxnard, I'm going to follow Jesus to Mojave. Right? It's making Jesus our Lord. You run my life, not politics, amen, not social media, not what everybody else thinks around me. It's what scripture and what God says that counts. See, faith in Christ is not about what I can see. Faith is trusting God is working beyond what I can see. Faith in Christ is not what I, about what I can do. No, it's about what Christ did on the cross already for us. Faith in Christ is not all about what I can personally justify in my own flesh. Faith in Christ is the free gift of salvation that justifies me. See, we need to have eyes of faith. In the original language, faith means this. It means to persuade. That's why I put in there, the blank was fully persuaded to make Jesus Christ your Lord. You are persuaded to induce one by words to believe, to induce one by words to believe. I'm going to use this uh, analogy for you, and you can tell that I'm about uh, to have, you know, we're about to have a baby, and you know this. So when you're in the hospital, and the baby isn't coming too much, the doctor can prescribe something called Pitocin, right? And Pitocin can begin to induce your labor. Can I tell you that faith is like that? Faith induces us to labor. It, 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 It makes us born again in Christ. We need to have Pitocin. We need to have faith to be born again. Faith means you are fully persuaded and convinced, not by being coerced, because no one's tricked into heaven, amen? We make a choice. No one gets tricked. 
Faith is not just you professing about what you believe or that you follow Jesus or you know a bunch of theology or doctrine. Faith means that you are fully persuaded and you've made Jesus your Lord, that he is the Lord of your life. What I'm trying to say is that faith means that we practice what we preach. And that's what my dad did in his story, right? He said, you know what? I know Oxnard looks beautiful and I know everybody wants to go there, but I need to follow Jesus over here because God's leading our family there. I know it doesn't make sense right now. I know it seems like the opposite decision, but I'm gonna follow Jesus and not follow what everybody else wants, even if it's my family. That's what faith is. Is our faith evident in our life right now? Are we walking by what we see? I love this quote from St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Is faith evident in your life today? Or are you consumed by what you see? Hope, hope is the next thing that will remain. Hope is a confident and joyful expectation of good. Can I tell you right now in our world, we have a hope problem? And I can say it by this, right? Repeat after me if you, knows, if you know this. When it rains, it what? Pours. It pours. Life is not fair. <laughs> that was okay if some of you got that one. Nothing good comes easy. <laughs> if you are too open-minded, your brains will fall out. Okay, maybe not everybody knew that last one, right? <laughs> but our world today, it's cynical. There is a hope problem. And I'm working with the youth of our church. And like I said, I was working with 150 churches in Southern California. And there was a hope problem problem, and I see it today bigger. I see it larger than ever before after this pandemic. But the word hope in the original language is this. It's an expectation of good. It's joyful and confident that we have an eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. Actually, hope in the the Hebrew, and I love Hebrew because sometimes in Hebrew there's word pictures, right, that, that we can see something exemplified. And in Hebrew, hope is a rope. Hope is a rope. And so they would say, in Hebrew, it would say, hey, uh, hope is actually a rope to pick you up out of a pit. It's when you're feeling at your lowest point, it's we can have a, a rope to pull us up. Are we people that hope is a rope? Are we people that are going, hey, there's hope right now. I know these are dark days. Yes, I recognize it. I'm not trying to minimize the pain and the hurt. And man, we've had 600,000 people in the U.S. die. This has been a horrible time. Don't hear me wrong. It's been really bad. But can I tell you that God's light shines the, the brightest in darkness? that God is still working and moving beyond what we can see. There is hope. Would we be people in our community that's throwing the rope out and saying, hey, catch the lifeline. Hey, what are you doing right now? I know it might seem crazy, but hey, God can help you. Hey, I know you got this diagnosis, but can I tell you, God can still heal you. God is still working miracles today because that's who our God is. There's hope. We have hope right now. Hope is a rope. Are you the reason why someone hopes? Are you helping lift people up out of the pit? Are you giving people around you the tools to succeed? And you know what, I think this is a, a real, can we get real practical this morning? I know we're in our heaven series, but let's get practical. Let's let heaven come down to earth. Let's just, let's just do a test on hope right now. <laughs> you don't actually have to do this, you can do this later, but pull out your phone. <laughs> What's on your social media right now? What are you, what are you texting? What's on your, is that full of hope? And so often, what I'm seeing and what I'm tempted to do is just put all this bad stuff on social media, all this not hope, all this cynicism. 
But I think right now, the church in America has an opportunity to say, hey, guess what? In this world, we cannot trust government, politics. We can't trust the economy. We can't trust what's going on medically. But guess what we can trust? We can trust God. We can put our hope in God. We have a time right now, more than ever before in our world, to say, hey, it's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Let's throw ropes out for people. Let's put scriptures on our social media. Let's send articles that lead people to hope. That's what God is calling us to do, to be a people of hope. Because what three things remain? Faith, hope, and love. So let's go to love. Love, to be fully known and belong. To be fully known and belong. In the original language, love is uh, agape, and it means unconditional love benevolence from God, to constantly give. This is what real biblical love is. And I love this, to be well-pleased of, to be well-pleased of. So I want to break down to be fully known and belong. To be fully known is this, is that God loves you despite your mistakes, that you can be bare with God and he loves you today that God's grace is bigger than your biggest mistakes this morning, that that's how God loves you. He loves you so crazy. Just how when I see my daughter and, and she's doing something wrong, all, like I'm gonna correct her, but I still love the heck out of her, right? Yeah. It's that kind of unconditional love that we can fully know. I fully know you and I love you. And to fully belong. Did you guys know this morning that God wants you? That God desires you? That God wants a, a, a deep relationship with you today? that God fully wants you, that that means that you belong to God, that you have a place at God's table in his kingdom. And I know this by Matthew 3, uh, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, and this is when Jesus was being baptized. This is before Jesus started his miracle, or started his ministry, before he did any miracles, before anything happened. This is what God thought about his son. Uh, this is my son whom I love, and it brings me great joy. Actually, there's a different version here, and I'll read it here. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. See, God loves you no matter what right now. When was the last time you actually looked at your life and thought, man, God is proud of me. God is proud of me. God loves me. You know, every time that I've been in a situation of correction with God, I've always been afraid. I'm like, oh, oh no, here's, the, here's somebody that, that's going to pray for me and they're going to know all my wrong things. Anybody ever been there before, right? Someone's going to find out that I do wrong things. Anybody else do wrong things here in this room? Anybody else make mistakes, right? Oh, right here. Yep, I'm the one. Oh, they're going to pray for me. They're going to know all my wrong things. Oh, the man of God and woman of God, the, the prophet's coming to me. Oh no, what are they going to find out? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they come to me and they say, hey, Ashton, remember God loves you. God is proud of you. God is for you. God is not against you. God's grace is bigger than your biggest mistakes. See, you fully belong to God in Christ. You know what's hard for us to understand this unconditional love? It's because we live in a world of conditional love. Yeah. Everything is conditional. Even marriage, right? If you do this, our vows, then I'll stay with you, <laughs> right? Even friendships today, right? Everything around us is conditional. And you hear a lot of this, and, and, and this is partially true. I'm going to get in trouble with my wife for a second because she studies psychology, so, um, but you know, but this is partially true. She's looking at me now. She's like, oh no, what is he going to say? <laughs> but you hear people say this today. I'm hearing this more than ever. Hey, if it's a toxic relationship, what? Cut it off. Who's heard that phrase lately, right? If it's a toxic relationship, cut off. And yes, there are some toxic relationships that need to be cut off, okay? I'm not saying that. But shoot, 
I'm a toxic relationship to God. I keep making mistakes. I have a little bit of a sin problem. Anybody else here in this room? I would be cut off. But that's not what God does to me, and that's not what he does to you. His love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is there for you. See, the problem why we have a problem why we have uh, looking at love and God's love in our own lives is because of conditional love. See, conditional love does this. It brings broken expectations, which means broken relationships, which means taking up an offense, which means unforgiveness, and then the opposite of love, it leads to hate. And if I can see what's happening right now in our world, and even what's tried to happen in my world, I'm seeing conditional love. I'm seeing this spiral of broken expectations and relationships and taking up offenses and unforgiveness and hatred in our world. That's conditional love. But unconditional love is, hey, I'm proud of you. You're my beloved son or daughter, and I love you no matter what you've done. Just come home to me. I love you. That. That's why we have the fathers, right, the prodigal son in the back of our church. If you've never seen the painting, that's what the sanctuary is all about. I remember the last conversation I had with my dad. Um, he had orbital cancer, and so it was cancer in his eye that was going into his brain, and so he was slowing in his speech. And I remember sitting on the couch with him, and it was that, that, that feeling of like, hey, I better get out all, everything to my dad, right? Uh, I don't know, hopefully you haven't been in this situation before with somebody, but it's like I felt like I needed to let everything out. And so I started talking to my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm just so mad because when we were in Mojave and pastoring and all of this bad stuff happened and people betrayed you. And dad, I'm mad that this person did that. And I started listing off, you know, by name. And they did this to you and they did that. And then they did this to my brother. And then they did this to me. And then they, and I just started lift, listing off all of these things. And then all of a sudden I look in my dad's eyes and he begins to cry with love. And he looks at me and says, Ashton, you don't have time to live in unforgiveness. You don't have time to live in hatred towards these people. You don't have time to live in offense. Ashton, let go and start loving. See, that's what we need today. We need to be people that love like our Father loves us. We need to be people that aren't full of hatred, but full of love, full of compassion. And yes, we have a laundry list. Who doesn't? But that's not what we do. That's not who we are as Christians. And so can I encourage you today, church, can we be people of unconditional love and can we look at that love through the lens of faith and through the lens of hope and then all of a sudden our world is gonna start to look a little bit brighter because it's gonna start looking more like Jesus. Would you pray with me today as we end up closing right now? Lord, we thank you for your unconditional love. And so God, right now we take a moment to pause and to stop Lord, we take a moment for you to begin to speak to us and renew us. This morning, I have two calls for us to, to respond to the Lord with. And the first call is this, are you fully persuaded? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Are you fully known and do you belong? Do you know that Jesus made a way for you on the cross and through his resurrection, that those offenses, that those things, that laundry list that I was talking about, Jesus paid for that on the cross. Jesus has forgiven those offenses. They're not your offenses to carry anymore. And so this morning, if you're coming burdened, if you're coming heavy, can I tell you that Jesus says to us, no, come all to me who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. So this morning, if you just say, hey, Pastor Ashton, I need 
God's love. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've been being the Lord of my life. I've been doing my own thing. I've been thinking my own things, and I need to realign back with the Lord of my life. I need to follow Jesus. I've been going to Oxnard, and I need to go to Mojave. (laughs) And if that's you this morning, I want to agree with you, and even online, if that's you, I want to agree with you this morning that Jesus is here to put that amazing, unconditional love in your heart and to take away the conditional love of this world. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? I want to pray with you this morning. I see your hand. I see your hand as well. Praise God for your hands this morning. Is there anybody else here that says, hey, pastor, I'm done holding that burden. That's what Jesus died for. All right, I want to pray for, oh, I see your hand over here too. Praise God. Hey, I see your hand over here too, dude. Proud of you. Hey, ma'am, I see your hand as well. Thank you. The Holy Spirit's moving right now in this room. I see your hand as well. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you that you love us. Lord, I pray for these hands that are raised right now. Lord, that they would come home. Lord, thank you that it says in your word, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So condemnation leave, offenses leave, and Lord, I pray that your love would overflow and fill hearts in this room right now by the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. That God, your grace is bigger this morning. We proclaim your love in this place and in the hearts of these people. In Jesus' name.